Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And today is a very sad day. We're doing this on the day that uh, Notre Dame is burning down. And we were just there this past summer and didn't realize this was going to be the last chance to be able to to see it. Yeah, we got scammed outside of it. We did? My uncle Brett did. He got scammed? Yeah. He gave gave money to that, like, charity thing, you know. Oh, no, that happened to me, too. Yeah, both of you got scammed, separate occasions. Yes. Like, both in front of, like, near the Notre Dame. Well, I I got scammed out of one euro. He got scammed out of, like, 20 euros. Yeah. So, well, that's a really touching memory of Notre Dame, is that's the place we got scammed. Yeah, and it also has, like, the nicest bathrooms in Paris, like, right next to it. Like, they cost money, but they were, like, so fancy and crazy. Right, the bathroom's right next to Notre Dame? Yeah, like that you like go underground to get to. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Well, that's good. These are very inspiring stories. Yeah, that we're anyways, sorry it's Dame burning. Experience. Well, and, and then you have President Trump saying, the, why isn't France launching flying water tankers to it's put the fire It's crazy how he's an expert in literally every single thing there is to know. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is a really tragic being, being time. Being president, being a businessman. Um, running pageants, being a firefighter. Like, what can't he do, honestly? Well, does he have a flying water tanker? They put out fires at Trump Tower with flying water tankers. Have there been fires at Trump Tower? I don't know. I don't know. But what's interesting, so we're doing this, of course, where anyone has found a cause for the fire, or we just don't have any information like that yet. But some information that's gone under the radar that I was not aware of, but uh, my sister actually sent along an article from Newsweek that pointed out that there have been fires and desecrations of Catholic altars all across France. There was a fire in St. Sulpice. Remember that building we went to with all of the stained glass? That's not, that, that's not St. No, you're talking about the wrong place. Yeah, that's not St. Sulpice? No. What was that called where we went and saw all the stained glass um, right before we went to Notre Dame? Um, no, that was St. Chapelle. I don't oh. know how to say that, but... And that's not really an active cathedral, right? It's it's state-owned. It's just kind of a museum for stained glass at this point. I don't know. I don't think they have religious services there. But apparently all throughout France, there have been desecrations of altars. There have been people setting fires. And I would not be at all surprised if this was not part of that same sort of thing. And I look at it, and I find it very depressing because I... I don't know. It also could be, 
one of the zillions of prayer candles that you can buy in there. Right. We bought a, we bought a prayer candle. I did, yeah, to get rid of bad travel juju because we kept having bad luck that day. That's correct. And it didn't get rid it of our bad travel. It did not work at all. It did not work at all. Lighting a candle to get rid of bad travel juju does not get rid of Maybe bad. two candles, but. We should have, we should have thought of that. But, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Well, and that's true. You look at the fire. I remember back in 2010, I was in Provo the day that the um, Provo Tabernacle burned down. I actually saw the fire. I watched it burn. I didn't have a flying water tanker to be able we to take care of it. We didn't start the fire. But they since have remodeled it and restored it. That's and Billy turned Joel. It. We didn't start the fire, yes. Yeah. I, I knew that. And I didn't start the fire. I didn't start either of these mm. fires. Uh, you sure know a lot about them, then, for someone that didn't start them. Oh, well, there you go. Interesting. But the Provo City Temple now is the restored version of what the tabernacle was. And I would hope that we'd be able to restore Notre Dame. Not although, really the same, though. Notre Dame's, thou- like, not... It's, it's 850 it's, it, years yeah, old. Yeah. It's an insane work of architecture and of the, art. Not really on the same level as the Provo Tabernacle. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And... Restoring it will not be able to replace the irreplaceable artwork that has been lost. I'd Hence say, the word irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Um, the kind of history that is lost with this. I mean, I look at this and I think, you know, I remember talking to somebody who was a Latter-day Saint who had sent their children to St. Juan Diego Catholic School. And I thought, is there a conflict there? Do you have a problem with that? And she says, no. She says, what people don't realize is that Catholic history is world history. That you look at the world's history and you look at the world's politics. The Western world. The Western world's Not history. Not really. That, that's a very Eurocentric way of thinking. You're right. You're right. But in terms of understanding Europe and understanding the political landscape of Europe and the cultural landscape of Europe, it's inseparable from the political and cultural landscape of the Roman Catholic Church. Well, yeah, until the Protestant Revolution. Well, no, even with the Protestant Revolution, that dynamic, that had political implications. That had ramifications far beyond just how people worshipped. Uh, essentially, you, would, you, you could say that a lot of the Protestant movement was politically motivated. When you look at Henry VIII, and essentially he wanted to create the Church of England in order to get a divorce... This wasn't a deep theological question that he was asking. This was a, a political move. And that entire... Well, yeah, but I don't think Martin Luther was... At the beginning, I don't think he was political. No, I don't think Martin Luther was political either, but I think that there were huge political ramifications from what Martin Luther did. Martin Luther set off a wave of... Uh, I mean, the wars and the difficulties between nations were largely fueled by religious differences. And you still see that today. You can go to Northern Ireland, and that's a huge political problem that is essentially rooted in religion. Yeah, we wouldn't have the U2 song, Sunday Bloody Sunday, without it. That's correct. So thanks, Martin Luther. So Martin Luther was responsible for the U2 catalog? Yeah. Well, that's just delightful. Appreciate that very much. So I, I realize that the burning of Notre Dame is not a huge political statement in and of itself, but I think it represents a tremendous loss to the Western world, to our cultural, to our our collective heritage that is rooted in, in that kind of a history. And I, I hope we can restore, I hope we can save as much as we possibly can and restore as much as we can't save. 
but we've already lost, I think, so much. It's a real tragedy. So I, I think we had to mention that. Okay. So uh, I don't have a really good segue to this next kind of thing that I want to talk about. But uh, can, can you think of a segue between Notre Dame and Julian Assange? Dom Assange almost rhyme? No, that's not a very good Maybe segue. Maybe he's been there before. Well... Uh, Julian Assange, here's a good segue, Julian Assange is all about tearing down the cultural heritage of the world. Okay. That's a little harsh. Yeah. He's about tearing down governments. He's about tearing down secrets. He's about doing all of the... Are you familiar with WikiLeaks at all? Yeah, a little bit. Will you refresh me? Well, WikiLeaks is an organization that Julian Assange founded essentially to create greater transparency and to keep governments from keeping secrets. And the idea was that the WikiLeaks would release all kinds of secrets about the government. He worked with Chelsea Manning. Oh. Oh, so his, his he like gave so WikiLeaks was like the platform for Chelsea Manning to release all the secrets. Right. Okay, cuz I always like heard their names mentioned together and I was like are they I don't know. But has Julian Assange himself like does he just like get information from other people? And then post it? Yeah, essentially. Okay. Essentially, that's what he does. So it's like sneaky Twitter. Sneaky Twitter. It's a little harsher than sneaky Twitter. I actually have been to WikiLeaks. Sneaky Reddit. And I have downloaded top secret Scientology documents from WikiLeaks. You're part of the problem then. I am part of the problem. Do you have to pay money or anything? No, no. Interesting. Is it still up? Yeah, yeah. You can go there. If you want to down, download top secret Scientology documents, I'm not but, sure if that's legal or but not. He, but Julian Assange got in trouble. But, so, but WikiLeaks is still up? Correct. Okay. You're, you're looking at me very well, puzzled. It, well, it seems like if he was like getting arrested that they would like take down the website. Well, I don't know. I, I think the website's hosted. It's the same kind of thing with things like the Pirate Bay and everything else. It's hosted in countries that are looser or laxer in terms of their copyright laws. I think they have a hard time taking it down. But it's Julian Assange himself has been under indictment, not just by the United States, but by the Swedish government for sexual assault. What? Yeah, he's not a... Who did he assault? I don't know the details of the case. A Swedish person? That would be my guess, considering that the indictment comes from Sweden. No, he's Australian. Well, he's Australian, but he's been indicted by the Swedish government. Yeah. Australians are allowed to visit Sweden, as far as I know. Yeah, well, so he visited... I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. He visited there August 2010, and during his visit, he became the subject of sexual assault allegations from two women. Well, there you go. So we'll talk about don't assault people. Don't assault people. We'll talk more details of Julian Assange when we get back from our break. So you don't want to get into the WikiLeaks that I've read about Scientology? No, but so is is WikiLeaks the same place? Oh, they're the ones that posted all of Hillary Clinton's emails. Right. Right. So WikiLeaks came under fire in the 2016 campaign. Really, the entire Mueller investigation has been focused to some degree on whether or not WikiLeaks colluded with Russia, that got their information from Russia. Julian Assange insisted that's not the case. And I can remember when WikiLeaks was publishing these emails, and they really didn't get anywhere near the kind of media attention that retroactively they're being given credit for. Uh, 
Uh-huh. You know, retroactively, it's, oh, these email releases are what destroyed Hillary Clinton. But there really wasn't anything in them that was particularly damaging. I mean, there were a few things about, you know, Hillary Clinton went to some kind of dinner where they did these kind of well, there was all that, mystical um, soul-casting stuff, and voodoo or something, I don't know. I mean, just silly nonsense was being talked about. And people in Canada... Well, there was like Benghazi stuff in there, wasn't there? No. Not what? really. No. I'm not, pretty sure there was. No. The, 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 the issue was that people were rude and people were dismissive. And having worked on campaigns, I can certainly imagine that behind-the-scenes emails are a lot ruder and le- more dismissive of people than they would be in public. But uh, to my knowledge, there was nothing about Benghazi in them. There was a tip-off that they were being told when the government was going to release her official emails about Benghazi. So that was talked about. Okay. So there weren't any actual... These were not the emails that were on Hillary Clinton's server that she tried to delete and all of that kind of stuff. These were emails back and forth between Clinton's campaign people. And I found this really fun article that talks about the top 10 Clinton scandals that were exposed by WikiLeaks. And they're really kind of namby-pamby. I mean, number one is Mrs. Clinton. This is from WashingtonTimes.com, which is this hardcore right-wing newspaper in D.C. Oh, boy. And the number one biggest scandal, Mrs. Clinton had a cozy and improper relationship with the mainstream media. And what does, okay. that, what does that even mean? What is, I feel like cozy and improper aren't usually words that are put together right. in describing things. When I think of cozy, I think of like... Nice, warm by like, the fire yeah, stuff. Yeah, snuggling in like a like a blanket. Right. Not improper. I don't know. Mrs. Clinton was snuggling in a blanket with the mainstream media. Is that, that, that what you, that's what you're saying? Yeah, I guess. Isn't that inspiring? Well, the one big scandal in part of that was that Donna Brazile, who was a campaign manager for a number of Democrats, gave Hillary Clinton debate questions from CNN in advance. And so she knew some of those debate questions in advance, and that was considered, and I think rightly so, to be a scandal. I don't think it's a scandal that... Oh, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a Not big deal. Not that it matters at this point. All right. Well, number two, they say the State Department paid special attention to Friends of Bill. And this was kind of a big deal. When she was Secretary of State, the State Department was much nicer to people who were friends of President Clinton, who were friendly to them, than they would have been otherwise. I, this is... I just, the, I don't care about her emails. Number three, like, Mrs. Clinton. I, I there's no point even. People are always still like, but her emails. I don't care. Well, this is I a, didn't care when it happened. I don't care now. Well, see, this is something that you should care even less about because so these why are... why are we discussing it? Well, because this is what Julian Assange did. And so the Russian probe is all designed to see how much did these revelations affect the election. And the answer, I think, is really not very much. I don't think this had any kind of an impact on the election. I don't think Julian Assange and these email releases made one lick of difference. Wait, so why are we talking about Julian Assange then? Because Julian Assange is now an international flashpoint for people who say, okay, is it okay for somebody to release these kinds of secrets? Is it okay for WikiLeaks to exist? And a number of people, including Donald Trump, insist absolutely not. And they're trying to... You think Donald Trump would like be in favor of him well obviously he has a lot of skeletons in his closet but he was he brought up her emails constantly right 
Well, and he even said on the campaign trail, hey, Russia, I hope you're looking. I hope you can find these emails, which was one of the stupidest things he could have possibly said, which re- really got him in big trouble, I think. With eh, did it? Well, nah. the, the full Mueller report is going to be good. Re- he's good. He's going to be fine. The full Mueller report is going to be released on Thursday. And there are so many people who have said, oh, all we have is this four-page summary. We don't know what's actually in the report. And I just think, prepare to be disappointed. In summaries, you always put, like, the most flashy and exciting things. Because right. you want people to read it and click on it. Like, you think they're hiding, like, some hidden gems. Well, if, if there was anything, it would be splashed all over the very first page. Right. If they are hiding some hidden gems, then they are even dumber than I think they are. And I think they're pretty dumb. But if they think they can get away with, oh, okay, Mueller found clear evidence of collusion, but we're just not going to put that in the summary and hope people forget about it. I mean, they're not that stupid. We're not going to reward laziness. You have to read the whole freaking thing, You have chumps. to read the whole freaking thing, chumps. And you're going to get a chance to read the whole freaking I'm thing. I'm not going to read it. I'm not either. But there are going to be people who read it. I'll look for it. a summary. Oh. oh. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Well, the other thing that I think is fascinating about Julian Assange is that he has been under indictment and he, everybody's wanted to arrest him. He went to Ecuador, right? No, he went to the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He's been in London this whole time. Oh. But he's been in the Ecuadorian embassy. Why, why does Ecuador care? Why, what? Ecuador granted him asylum and he's been trying to negotiate for years to actually get to Ecuador. But to get to Ecuador, you have to get out of the embassy and drive through the streets of London and then get on a plane. And during that time, he would have been, you know, subject to arrest. Why did he choose Ecuador? Well, I don't know that he chose Ecuador so much as Ecuador agreed. I think he, I think he was and shopping the, around. Asylum makes no sense to me. I've like, I've heard, I've, I've looked it up before. I just don't really understand it. Well, the stories that kept coming out about Julian Assange while he was in the Ecuadorian embassy. Because he was there for a few years, right? He was there for seven years. Seven years. You can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere, and it's not that big a building. You know, it's about the same size as the building you lived in when you lived in London, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't don't know. I have no idea. Your building essentially took up how much of a block? Well, it was like a a townhouse, so it was was really narrow, just like five stories tall. Right. That's pretty much what the Ecuadorian embassy looks like. And the stories that came out about Julian Assange while he was in the embassy are that he was filthy, he didn't wash himself, he would get angry and start smearing feces on the wall, hmm. uh, he smelled bad all Wait, the time. Feces? What? 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 How? What? He would smear feces on the wall? That's those are. I'm just reporting. Who? I'm what? Not, Who's cleaning it up? Why can't they? If that? If I was an Ecuadorian embassy. Employee, I'd be like, kick this guy out immediately. Well, P- if if poop is anywhere except besides in the toilet, <laughs> he's gone. I would not stand for that for one second. Well, oh my gosh, your point of view on that was shared by the employees of the Ecuadorian embassy because he had negotiated asylum with the Ecuadorian government, who live in Ecuador. But the people who had to deal with them on a day-to-day basis were these London ambassadors. And the household staff. They're like, this is not what I signed up for when I went to years and years of college and that's right. training. I wasn't thinking I was going to be scrubbing feces off of a wall. That's right. From a grown man. So his status now is kind of up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen to him. 
you can watch the video of them being hauled out of the embassy. I think pretty much Ecuador Wait, just... So, what, so Ecuador was finally just like, we've had enough of your shenanigans. Correct. Correct. Enough of your shenanigans. You pooped on the wall one too many times. <laughs> I'm right. never going to get over that. That's ridiculous. Uh, well, I'm glad that uh, I, I've touched your heart here with a part of this story that is... I wouldn't say my heart. My gag reflex, okay. more like. All right. Well, we'll talk about our gag reflexes and a bunch of other things. Let's we'll not. Get, or, or not when we get back from our break. All right, so Julian Assange, I think his story is pretty much over. I think he's going to get convicted somewhere, and he's probably going to spend the rest of his life behind bars. Pooping in prison. He'll be pooping in prison, smearing in prison, and doing whatever it is that he does. I don't think that flies as well in prison. Pooping in prison? Yeah. It's alliterative. I think it flies even better. I don't think... Oh, you don't think... Yeah, it flows. I don't think it's allowed in prison. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the rules are where he's going to end up. But what Julian Assange does do is ask a larger question as to what level of government secrets is appropriate, what level is it appropriate to expose, because there's another guy out there who uh, is hiding, not hiding, but he's not in an embassy. I'm talking about Edward Snowden. Oh, I remember him. You remember him? Edward Snowden. I always get him, Julian Assange, and Chelsea Manning all mixed up. Okay. They're they're quite different people. Well, they not they've done mostly the same things though. Well, Edward Snowden worked for the CIA. He worked with the intelligence agencies. Right. Chelsea Manning is a military officer, and uh, um, Julian Assange is not an American citizen. Okay. They're, so, so their nationalities. Their nationalities, but also their functions have been quite different. Okay, uh, Edward, but but they're all well known for being like secret exposers. For being whistleblowers. Yeah. yeah. And they're also all well known for being in serious trouble. For revealing secrets. And Edward Snowden, unlike Julian Assange, sought asylum in Russia. And he's still in Russia. And my guess is he's not holed up in a single townhouse. He can wander around the streets. He can actually do things. But Edward Snowden has asked to come back to the United States and is terrified that if he were to come back to the United States, that he'd be subject to the death penalty. The death penalty? Yes, for treason. And what? Julian Assange, that's, they're floating that's around. That's under the death penalty? Oh, yeah. You're executed for treason. When, who was the last person executed for treason? Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Oh, I remember them. Yeah. Well, no, you don't remember oh, no, them. No, I remember learning about them. Yeah. They were... Um, they sold secrets to the Soviets about the yeah. nuclear program. Yeah. And it was... And they a, were electrocuted. They were electrocuted. That's horrible. And that's, that's essentially the last time that anybody's been prosecuted for treason. It's been raised a few times since then. Jane Fonda, who went to North Vietnam and had her picture taken on anti-aircraft guns that were Wait, used Wait, she was sh- a movie star, right? She still is a movie star. Oh, so I'm guessing she wasn't executed. She was not executed, but that was the moment when people said, we're no longer going to prosecute treason. Because she went to North Vietnam, she posed with anti-aircraft guns, she endorsed the North Vietnamese government and talked about how terrible her government why? was. Why, Jane? Why? Well, uh, that's a whole. What? <laughs> that's a that's a whole big other scandal, and and people have said that was the turning point when the government decided they were not going to prosecute Jane Fonda for doing that, 
we essentially said we're no longer prosecuting people for treason. I feel like treason cases are just so high profile that there would be such an outrage if any of those people were sentenced. Well, and really you look at the difference between the Rosenbergs and Jane Fonda. Yeah. And the Rosenbergs uh, ostensibly sold nuclear secrets. Weren't they like poor and immigrants too? I don't know a whole lot of details of their background. I don't think they were poor immigrants, actually. I think they were fairly high-level, intelligent, well-educated people. Um, But I could be wrong on that. You can start as a poor immigrant and end up as a highly educated, intelligent person. You can be intelligent when you're a poor immigrant. But the thing that they did was they actually provided information that could be used to kill uh, American citizens. They provided nuclear secrets. Whereas Jane Fonda, the definition of treason from the Constitution is providing aid and comfort to the enemies of the United States. Comfort. Right. And so you could you could say, okay, Jane Fonda, by saying rah, rah, North Vietnam, was providing... Hey, don't say that. Oh, I, they could get you. They could get me. I, don't, I think I'm okay. If they didn't prosecute Jane, they're not going to prosecute Famous me. Famous last words. Well, that may be true. But... Um, that was the moment when we decided we weren't going to prosecute treason anymore. And I don't think there's been any other kind of case where that's actually come up. But Edward Snowden has been nervous about it. And What secrets did he expose? The big secret he exposed was the NSA surveillance program. Oh, yeah. So essentially... and, and they're watching us all the time. And there's a Utah connection to that. There was a big data center in Utah that was used as part of that. Yeah. And so basically what they were doing was allowing computers to monitor essentially every phone call in the country. And they who, who I'm guessing they only like listen to like high profile people, right? Cuz like nobody has the time to listen to every schmuck's phone call or is there are there like programs like where No, that's exactly right. And and that, that's one of the reasons why I didn't particularly find it troubling because well, nobody's if I, if listening I was, to your If I was like a candidate for like the president or something, I'd be worried. Right. Like if I was like a a big uppity up somewhere, but well, I don't know. And now you have the attorney general saying that the Trump campaign was spied on, so that's becoming a whole big mess. We'll see where that goes. It's so easy to spy these days. It used to be hard. You used to have to like cut holes into magazines and put like mirrors in your glasses and stuff. And these days you can just like pack into somebody's camera. Well, just. What's with the mirrors the, and the glasses? The, I've never heard about that before. That's like at the spy museum, you know? Oh, yeah. Everybody should go to the spy museum. That was really fun in, the, in Washington, yeah, we D.C. we don't hide nearly enough keys and, like, fake rocks and stuff anymore. That's right. It's really a shame. It is. And who was the, who was the spy? Not enough fedoras are being worn with <laughs> trench coats. <laughs> you know, I've tried to wear a fedora and a trench coat, but my head is too big for a fedora. I look like a pinhead when I put this little tiny fedora there aren't fedoras big enough for my big monster head yeah also if you don't like wear fedora in a costume context anymore it's not a good look uh, at all well matt bomer wore fedoras on white collar a lot yeah i didn't like it hot right. take hot take well so no the nsa spying program i didn't think was a big deal because it was so much data that that wasn't possible for any one person to sift through it And the goal of it was to take this metadata and use it to be able to determine, you know, they'd be looking for specific words and they'd be looking for them in conversations with phone calls that were international and all this kind of stuff. The idea that I'm going to be talking on the phone with somebody 
and somebody from the NSA is going to be listening in, I thought that's not really what this was. I know I know people in real life that will like tape over their um, their computer webcam web camera. You know, they'll put a piece of tape over it so that the NSA can't watch them. And I'm always like, what are you doing? Like, what are you? Well, it turns <laughs> out that those people might not be as stupid as you think. I want to talk about that when we Uh-oh. get back from our break. I'm the stupid one. Not what a plot twist. What a plot twist. So it's not the NSA you have to worry about listening to you on your telephone. It's Jeff Bezos. Oh, yeah. Well, it's what it's everybody knows that Google and stuff listen to your conversations and uh, cater your advertisements towards them. Well, but that's, Amazon... That's like, that's like a fact. Well, just this last week, Amazon released data that there are actually people that are listening to people talking to Alexa. Yeah. Now, they insist they're only doing it so that they can better train Quality Alexa. control or Quality whatever. control, this, that, and the other. But, you know, it's a little disconcerting. There was a Facebook meme that was circulating talking about how you used to need a, wa- a warrant to be able to tap a phone, and now we invite the phone tap into our house and talk to her all day long. Hey, Alexa, listen to my whole conversation and everything that I'm talking about. Yeah. I have a Google Home, and the only time I use it is, like, to say, hey, Google, play music. Or, like, hey, Google, turn down. You're an idiot. I hate you. Right. And then she'll be like, I'm so sorry. So that's probably all that you know, if you say, from me. If you say to Siri, I see a little silhouette of a man, she will sing the entire Bohemian Rhapsody to you. And you can't turn it off, which is really kind of annoying. She yeah. goes through it the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, and I look at that and say, okay, well... Somebody listens to my Siri conversations; they're going to hear me saying stupid things and continually well, like, asking Siri. Well, I don't think we're the one. I don't think we're the ones being targeted, right? By any means, we don't. We don't mean anything, right? But surveillance. I mean, as you talk about spying, has changed, and the sheer volume of data that is now available for analysts is overwhelming. Well, I bet they. I bet there's computer programs and things that can. Right, it's search become for, very impersonal. Yeah, it's just search for certain words and phrases and stuff. And Well, and that's fine to some degree, except it doesn't really work. You look at the debacle of the intelligence gathering during the Iraq War. Now, granted, that's now, I feel really old, but that's like almost 20 years ago. It's 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. But we had cut down our physical assets people on the ground and we were relying almost entirely on on technological data to be able to tell us what was going on and so we had some people who were Iraqi defectors who came and said oh yeah Saddam's got this huge chemical weapons program and they have these trailers that are driving from place to place where they make chemical weapons in these trailers. I bet the NSA hates slang when people are like that's the bomb because then they'll listen to the whole conversation and it's just like some kids that are like, that's the bomb. And they'll to be like, oh, they were talking about. Except for that's the bomb isn't something you TV kids show. say anymore, and is it? When maybe. was the last time you said that's the bomb? Two, uh, 20 seconds ago. Okay, that's true. <laughs> when was the last time in a casual I don't know. conversation? I don't know, but it's just funny to think about people ha- like having to listen to all these dumb conversations, like a million dumb conversations for one that might have any information in it. Right. I don't know. 
Well, and reliance on technology can only get you so far. And I think Hillary Clinton learned that uh, on both ends of it. Because you, you read the postmortems of the Clinton presidential campaign. And she had all of this data about all of her voters and all of the reasons why no one would ever vote for Donald Trump because this demographic was solidly for Hillary and that one was solidly for Hillary. And she could pinpoint almost to the House who was likely to vote for her and who was not. And yet Donald Trump won the election because Donald Trump was able to form a human connection with voters that Mm. was far more powerful than this kind of demographic over-reliance that was driving Clinton. I don't know. I kind of feel like this is just another Black Mirror episode. This the, the, That our whole lives are another Black Mirror episode at this point? Yeah, basically. Well, the only episode of Black Mirror I've seen is the, the Star Trek one. where he. Oh, that one's good. It's yeah. creepy. It's very. They're all creepy. They're all exceptionally creepy. Except for that one has a happy ending. They're all, I'm told that, that most of them yeah, don't. Well, they all, they all are like, they end and you're like, oh, technology is terrible. I guess I'll watch another episode on my on my computer. Well, just to shift gears in our last minute, have you seen the new Star Wars trailer? Yeah. Is that and, political? No. Uh, I just don't you care. You just want to talk about it? I just want to see your reaction because I don't care. I'm done with Star Wars. Um, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat, I guess. I was never like the rabid super fan that you were, but. Well, I haven't been a rabid super fan since I was in elementary school, really. Uh, I well, I'm have, glad you have, you have the space to let out your feelings this and is, vent. That's true. I just they're bringing the back sa- the dinner emperor. table politics is a safe spot for anti Star Wars thoughts. Well, they're bringing back the emperor because they don't have any where to go. They don't have a villain that anybody cares and about. And we're out of time, folks. That's Sorry exactly about right. That. Sorry. So we'll talk Star Wars. Maybe not no. some other time. If you're listening to this podcast on the radio, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or at the KSL Podcast Center. And talk about it on the phone a lot so NSA agents maybe will hear you talking about it and tune in as well. But don't say dinner and also hello, also, also hello to any NSA agents listening. <laughs> Hope you're having a good well, day. Well, if it's on the radio, they can hear us on the radio. They don't have to tap our phones. Anyway, until next week, this is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. We'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics.